Amen, and thank you, Nick, Debbie, Diane, for leading us to praise and worship the Lord through music and singing this morning. My prayer as I preach God's Word to you from this pulpit, each time I have the opportunity to do so, is that He would indeed change your heart to become more like His. I don't just preach because I like the sound of my own voice. And surely you don't just come here on Sunday mornings because you want to hear a message from a man. You come because you want to hear the truth of God's Word. And you want to be transformed by that truth. Right? That's why whether it's uh, me standing behind this pulpit or somebody like Dr. Charles Morgan who preached for me last week while I wasn't feeling well, each week... There is someone who comes and shares a sermon with you from God's Word so that you can hear God's Word. It is amazing to think about how God's Word is forever settled in heaven, as Psalm 119 verse 89 says, but yet at the same time, when you read some of the same verses that you've read all of your life, or maybe even have had memorized from the time you were a young child, it's like warm, fresh-baked bread coming out of the oven that you can eat and that fills up your famished soul. Jesus told us in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our minds. We worship God on Sunday mornings. By engaging in His Word. Listening with our minds. So that we can be transformed by God's truth. There's something else we also do each week at First Baptist Church Walnut Ridge during our morning worship services. And that's sing. We sing. And it's not just because we like music. Though many of us do. And it's not just because we have some talented musicians and wonderful vocalists. We do, but we sing from our soul to worship the Lord. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our soul. That's why we sing together. We worship God with all of our souls and we lift up our voices to Him. It's not just a bunch of people on a stage Providing you with a professional performance so that you can be entertained. It is God's people coming together to lift up His name as we praise and worship Him. That's why we sing each week. That's why we ought to sing together to our audience of one. He's the one who hears us. He's the one who's worthy of our worship. And it never gets old, does it? To hear God's people singing together. I mean, you guys were belting out Amazing Grace this morning. It was good. I don't know if you know this or not. uh, Nick Weber, our music minister, clued me into this at the beginning of the, the year. It's the 250th anniversary of that hymn, Amazing Grace. We've sung it a lot during our morning worship services this year. We'll keep doing it too. It's just a it's a good song. You guys grew up singing that one, didn't you? Some of you whistle that one going into the grocery store, sing it in the shower in the mornings. It's a good one to sing. And it's just, it's true. Even when we're singing this hymn in heaven, 
9,751 years from now, we're still going to have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It's good, isn't it? There's another thing that we do in our worship services each week that, to be honest with you, even as your pastor, I have overlooked and really not paid as much attention to as I should have. And that is prayer. We pray each Sunday morning in our worship services, multiple times at that. I mean, think about it. A lot of weeks, like we did today, we open our worship service in prayer. Ms. Johnny opened our worship service praying for Dixie Jackson missions offering. Bryson Long, our children's minister, closed out the children's sermon time by doing what? Praying. He's going to pray with the kids in the back. You're going to pray in your first group Bible study in just a little bit. Nick oftentimes leads in prayer before and after songs. We have a deacon that will come and lead us in an offertory prayer before we take up the offering. Sometimes we even close the worship service again with another word of prayer. And I don't think we give prayer the priority that we ought to in our personal lives as well as in our corporate worship services. We, we just kind of look over it like, ah, oh, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. And then when God leads somebody to pray, it's kind of like, man, what are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm going to do this this morning. Hopefully this is okay, Steph. She smiled at me with the look of, I know it's okay. Apparently the Lord touched Stephanie's heart during Change My Heart, Oh God, this morning when we were singing. She just needed to come and pray at the altar. And uh, I hope that the, the looks that you're giving her directions are look of, you know, I care about you. But I think in all honesty, even if some of you really do care about her, and you do, guys, I want you to know, we, we know that. Um, I'm thankful as a pastor that you care about me and my family. You really do, so thank you. Uh, but I really think some of you in your hearts, too, may be going, what the world is she doing, man? It ain't invitation time yet. You're not supposed to come down to the altar and pray in the middle of worship. Guys, do you hear yourselves? You know what you're supposed to do in the middle of worship? Worship! A huge part of worship is praying. The Lord Jesus told us in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. Prayer is simply a heart-to-heart -heart talk with your Father in heaven. You know, it would be wonderful if we as a church, if we as believers would get to the point that we don't think it's weird when somebody drops to their knees and prays in the middle of worship. But we would think it's weird when people don't drop to their knees in the middle of worship and pray. We've got to spend time praying. Prayer is simply when God's people have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with Him. We pray each week. I know that the last few messages that I've preached to you from this pulpit have been about prayer. And yes, I'm preaching another one about prayer to you today. And you say, Jake, come on, man. It's time to move on. There's more to the Christian life than praying. To that, I'll say this. Yes, you're right. There's more to the Christian life than praying. But I want you to know this. 
you cannot, not just you should not, but you cannot live the Christian life without praying. You can't. It is impossible. I mean, think about, think about the Lord Jesus himself, Christ, when he was on this earth. You guys know that Jesus has existed in eternity, like eternity past, right? He is the eternal Son of God, never had a beginning. Jesus is not a created being. He is the creator of all beings, right? Did you know that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit that Trinity that Bryson talked about in the children's sermon, they have had a divine, eternal relationship. When Jesus came to this earth, he had 33 years to accomplish everything that God had sent him to accomplish. Do you guys know how much of that time Jesus devoted to spending in prayer with his Father? Prayer is not doing nothing. Prayer is doing something. And in fact, it's more than doing something. It's asking God to do in His power what only He can do. If Jesus, who has existed with the Father in eternity past, spent hours of His day and night praying to His Father, I mean, it's, it's not like he doesn't know the Father, right? It's not like he's not going to go back to him and never see him again. If Jesus spent time praying to his Father on this earth, how much more do we need to do the same? You cannot live the Christian life without prayer. And the problem is that too many times, too many of us, myself included, have tried to do that. And when we live this Christian life or attempt to live this Christian life without prayer, we find ourselves powerless. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. So I want to challenge you today from Luke chapter 11 verses 1 through 13 with this simple thought. We need to keep praying. We need to keep praying. If you have a Bible with you this morning, uh, open it up there to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. And I, I don't always do this each week. Um, I do honor and respect God's Word. Uh, but this morning, I, I want to do this. If you're able, would you just stand up when you found those verses and I'm going to read God's Word out loud. And if, you'll, if you're able to, if you'll just stand in honor of God's Word, it'll help you pay a little bit of more attention too, to be honest with you. All right? So here's Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. And God's Word says, Now it came to pass, as he, that's Jesus, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on this journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within the door and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Lord, we pray as your disciples asked you that question that day many years ago. To teach us how to pray. And God, I pray that we would keep praying. It's in the name of Jesus we ask, and everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you guys for standing to, to honor the Lord's Word this morning. And again, the, the main idea I want to share with you is simply this. We need to keep praying. Why? Well, there are at least two reasons to keep praying that I see in this text, and I want to share them with you. One, we need to keep praying because Jesus is our friend. And we have His attention when we pray. We'll see that in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. And a second reason that we need to keep praying is because God is our Father. And we have His affection when we pray. We'll see that in verses 9 through 13. So let's talk in some more detail about this first reason that we need to keep praying. Jesus is our attentive friend. That is, He actually is paying attention to us. He cares about us enough to want us to talk to Him, to have this heart-to-heart -heart talk with Him. Just after Jesus provided a model prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer. How many of you have that memorized, by the way? Our Father who is in heaven? Good deal. If we had a gold sticker chart like kids do in their classrooms, you'd get a gold sticker chart for having it memorized, all right? But it's not just about having a gold sticker on your chart. It's about praying like Jesus taught us to pray. And he taught his disciples to pray using this model prayer. And then right after he shared this prayer, he shared a silly story. 
I mean, Jesus knew what he was doing. Serious moment of prayer, and then right after it, he shares a silly story. That's really what verses 5 through 8 are, if you paid attention to it. Theologians call it a parable, but, it, man, I guarantee you, the people that were there that day couldn't help but chuckle when they thought about what Jesus was saying. And you're probably going to as well, okay? Uh, look at verses 5 through 8 as we think about a reason we need to pray is because Jesus is our attentive friend. Jesus said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight? Let's just stop right there. I thought about doing this last night, but I decided against it because I wanted to keep my friends, okay? You guys have a friend. Some of you have friends you can go to at midnight. Anybody ever been in that situation before? I've been there myself, okay? And we do. But how many of you are like, oh man, they're a really good friend. Do I really want to bother them with this right now? Yeah, you go through this thought in your mind. Yeah, like, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Jesus said, how many of you have a friend? Go to him at midnight. That's got to be a good friend. And here's what you say to him. Friend, lend me three loaves. You see how Jesus titles this individual. Friend. Hey, we're friends, right? I know I'm calling you at 1230 a.m., I really almost did that to somebody last night. But then I thought, nah, I'm going to have to preach about them too if I do it. So, you know, I didn't didn't want to embarrass anybody too bad. But I thought, man, there are. There's some people I could call right now if I needed something. I know they'd pick up the phone. I'd probably call Drew first, honestly, because he's right next door to me. And he'd pop over there. So I should have called you, man. But I didn't want to call you for no reason. I didn't want to ruin the friendship, you know. So... Jesus says, how many of you, you have a friend, you, you call him at midnight, and then you say, hey, friend, would you lend me three loaves? Jason would have answered his phone, too. <laughs> and did you, did you pay attention to what Jesus, Jesus said, said the guy says? Friend, would you lend me three loaves? Now, folks, I really want you to think about this. Can I borrow three loaves of bread? Do you see some humor here? Like, can I borrow three loaves of bread? Sure, you're going to give them back to me tomorrow? Like, you guys get it? What do you do with bread? You eat it. I mean, you know, sorry to be gross. There's only a couple ways you're getting that back. I don't think you want to give that back, right? How many of you having a friend that goes to at midnight, friend, lend me three loaves? Okay, I mean, it's a weird request at midnight too, isn't it? And then here's the reason that the guy gives in verse 6. It gets even stranger. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey. Oh, hang on. Now now it's gotten real weird, right? Hey, Drew, I know it's 1230 in the morning, but can I borrow three loaves of bread? It's not for me, though. It's for somebody that came and is spending the night at my house tonight. (laughs) And so here's what happens. He says this. I have nothing to set before him. Don't you think the guy would be going, wait, hang, hang on just a minute. You got somebody staying at your house. 
Maybe they surprised them, dropped in for a visit. But usually if people are coming over to stay the night with you, do you know they're coming to stay the night? Usually. Some of you got adult kids now. You know what it's like to have surprise visits, don't you? Yeah. So here, here's the thing, man. He comes by. He says, I, I, I need to borrow three loaves of bread. I know it's past midnight. But somebody's staying at my house. I have anything to set before him. You ever heard of grocery shopping before people come to visit? You guys see the irony here of this story Jesus is telling? I mean, people are kind of going, like, really? You know, what would it be like? Hey, come on, man. You didn't answer your phone when I called. I really need your help right now. I need some food. It's not for me. It's for somebody staying at my house. Help me out, please. I, I, man, I just hear Drew Meyer right now. Jake, leave me alone, man. All five girls are asleep. And if you wake them up, Latricia's going to kill you. Just don't stop knocking. Stop knocking on the door. Jake, what do you want, man? I'll give you 300 loaves of bread if you'll just leave me alone and let me go back to sleep. I'm tired. This is a picture Jesus wanted these folks to have in mind. And Jesus then says in, in verse 8, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Jesus is using this parable to make people laugh so that they can understand a very serious and important truth. Did you know that Jesus Christ is your friend that you can go to at any time, from any place, with any need? Any time, any place, with any need. And here's the thing. Unlike you trying to figure out in your mind, do you really want to bother your friend at this time with this need? Doubting, maybe they don't have three loaves of bread to give me. Maybe they really don't want to help me. Maybe I'm going to be annoying to them. You're never annoying to Jesus when you pray. And I really think for some of us Christians, we kind of have in our minds the same attitude that we had when we were kids and our parents we're trying to teach us to go and ask for a refill of sweet tea from those sweet ladies in the kitchen at church, and we were too scared to do it. Or going up to the counter to order at a restaurant, and we just were too shy and timid to do it. Not all of you, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's what we think we're doing when we think about praying. Ah, I don't want to bother God with this. He has so many more important things to do. No, he doesn't. That's why he tells you to pray to him. Did you pay attention to that one line in that prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray? Give us day by day our daily bread. Did you pay attention to that parable, that silly story he just told? What's the guy asking for at midnight? What's he asking for? Bread, three loaves of bread. That's what I need today, tonight. You can go to Jesus at any time from any place and ask him for anything. We need to pray. 
Jesus is our friend. He pays attention to us. The Bible says later on in 1 Peter that we are to cast our cares upon Him because He cares about us. The Lord Jesus cares about those things that really bother you and trouble you, that are big things in your own mind, but you think they're things that are too little for God to mess with. God cares about those things because He cares about you. I grew up singing a wonderful hymn. We've sung it here in this church many times. What a friend we have in Jesus. Remember the lyrics to that hymn? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. What? Everything to God in prayer. Some things, no. Little things, no. Big things, no. Everything to God in prayer. We need to keep praying because Jesus is our attentive friend. And here's the thing. He's inviting us to come over at midnight and ask Him for what we need. He is not too busy. He's not going to be bothered. He loves you. He cares about you. Church. We need to keep praying because Jesus is our attentive friend who cares enough to call us to pray. There's a second reason in this passage that we are to keep praying. Not only do we see in verses 5 through 8 that Jesus is our attentive friend, but we also see in verses 9 through 13 that God is our affectionate Father. God is our affectionate Father. He is a Father who loves us. He is a perfect Father who loves us with perfect love. And He wants to give His children every good and perfect gift. But we've got to ask Him. Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Here's the thing. You don't have when you don't ask. You don't find when you don't seek. It will not be opened to you if you don't knock. I think it's interesting, don't you? Jesus is saying if, if you want something and you need something and God can provide it, ask Him to provide it. He wants to give His children what they need. Ask Him. You can't find when you don't seek. Man, a couple weeks ago, Stephanie had lost her van keys. Actually, let me, let me get the, the whole truth of this story here. Nason, our five-year-old son, had lost Stephanie's van keys. And we knew that they had been in Stephanie's purse. And she's got, man, it's one of those bougie girl key rings. You know what I'm talking about? 
Some of you ladies got them too. Some of you husbands know what I'm talking about. Man, it's impossible to lose those things. They're bigger than babies' teething rings, man. I mean, they slide around your wrist. They've got dangly things. They shine like the sun, man. How do you lose those keys? Nathan lost them. We knew they'd been in Stephanie's purse, and he had gone to the van that was locked to go get his lunchbox out of the van so that we could pack it before school that morning. We knew that's the, that's the last time we had seen him. And so it, it, was, it, it was to the point of, Nason, go, go find mom's keys. You had them. I don't know what I did with them. I don't know where they are. And I'm thinking, oh, my word, son. Like, I, I know you had it. No, I didn't. Was the van locked? Yeah. How did you get in? I unlocked it. What did you unlock it with? The key. Yeah. I know you had it. I don't know what to do. I can't find anywhere. I mean, this goes on for days. And I'm like, he's not finding these keys. And you know the reason he didn't ever find the keys? Because he didn't ever look. You could tell him just over and over again, go find the keys. Okay. I can't find them anywhere. This is what he do. So then I went on the quest. I was like, all right, this is the last place they were. I'm going to check there. He's hidden the keys in the couch and the chair in the living room before, so I looked there. I thought, man, all right. I'm looking under the couches, looking all over the place. I'm thinking, I'm going to look in the van. Maybe he left them out there when he went in there. Looking all through the van. Don't see him. And I'm thinking, man, what did he do with these things? And it hit me. He had his backpack on that morning when he went out to the van to go get his lunchbox. I thought, you, you got to be kidding me. I know exactly where they are. I unzipped the front pouch of his backpack, and you know where those keys were? Inside his backpack the whole time. How many times, hear me, how many times had I been telling that boy, go find mom's keys? I don't know where they are. He's wearing his backpack, and the keys are right on his back. <laughs> Listen to me, church. How many times have you had the wisdom that you've needed, but you just hadn't sought the Lord for that wisdom. He's right there. He's been willing to offer it the whole time. I don't know what to do. How many times has he had exactly what you've needed, and you've gone, oh, I just, I can't find it anywhere. Seek, and you'll find. Pray. And you'll obtain it. Knock and it will be opened to you. We need to keep praying. One of my heroes in the faith, uh, a guy named Bill Eliff, really just is a man of prayer and a man of faith, talks about this idea of unceasing prayer uh, a lot. And he didn't make up this idea. It actually comes out of Scripture uh, it's over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. It's a real short verse. It's just three words. Pray without ceasing. And you know what? That really puzzled me a, a lot of times in my Christian life. Because I thought, God, how, how can I never stop praying? And I can remember coming across an old Keith Green song. The original Jesus music. You know what I'm talking about. Like 60s and 70s. Anybody know Keith Green? 
Man, you guys need to look up Keith Green, I'm telling you. You Gen Zers, pull out Spotify on your phones. Look up Keith Green. You're going to think it's the weirdest music in the world, but I'm telling you, just, just listen to the lyrics. He's got one song that says, make my life a prayer to you. You know, I thought, well, maybe that's what unceasing prayer is. You know, I can't just go around like talking all the time to Jesus. I'd love to, but Nason has 5,000 questions. I've got to stop praying so I can listen to his questions and answer it. You know, like, God, how's that going to work? I want to be a person of unceasing prayer, but I've got to stop so that I can do these things you want me to do. I don't understand. And I thought, well, maybe it means I need to live my life in such a way that it is one big prayer to the Lord. A good thought. And then I read this verse in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and I went, what? I don't know if some of you caught it, but First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. I want you to pay attention to what Jesus did in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased you ever read stuff in the bible and it makes you scratch your head this is one of those verses i went god what in the world it's a command in scripture to pray without ceasing your son was man of prayer and yet it says verse one that he ceased praying is anybody else as perplexed by this as i was and then it hit me What Paul is commanding those believers to do in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is not to literally stay on their knees every hour of the day praying, never sleeping, never going to the bathroom, never eating, never talking to their kids, never going to work. That's not what Paul's talking about. To pray without ceasing means to pray without ever giving up. You might cease praying in terms of stopping your prayer by saying amen. But you don't give up trusting God on what you're praying for. You go back to Him and keep asking. And keep seeking. And you keep knocking. You pray without giving up. And here's reality. Some of us have given up on praying even before we've ever started. I shared with you that many Christians, and I've been one of them many times in my life, have attempted to live the Christian life without praying. And it leaves us powerless. And you want me to tell you why we live the Christian life without praying? Because we think it's not a big deal at all. We do. Somebody asks you, you're sick or something bad's happened to you in your life. What can I do for you? Well, nothing but pray. You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? Or even thinking, yeah, Jake, I mean, all it is is just prayer. <laughs> guys, who do you talk to when you pray? God. He is our Father in heaven. I can't tell you how many times that I've been faced with a tough situation in in my own life and I'll pick up my cell phone and I'll dial my dad's cell phone number 
and he'll answer on the other end. And I'll him haul around, you know, a few minutes. What's going on, Jacob? And I'll tell him. Okay. And he'll respond to me. He'll talk to me. Share some advice with me. Share a story with me from his past and his life experience. He'll love me. He'll encourage me. Sometimes he'll challenge me. Tell me I need to do something. Really spur me on. My father loves me. My father loves the Lord. The Lord loves him. My dad's been a Christian a long time now. But you know what's true about my dad that's the same thing that's true of me? He's not a perfect man. He's not a perfect father. I've got five kids. I've messed up parenting with every single one of them, man. Finally, I've gotten the idea. I'm never going to be a perfect dad. I probably need to stop having kids at this point and just take care of the ones I got, right? Hey, listen to me. My father, who is not a perfect person, but who has had an evil heart that God has redeemed, who loves me and would do anything for me, Me, a sinful man who's had a wicked heart that God has forgiven and redeemed, who would do anything that he could for his own children. Guys, if if my dad loves me and would do anything he could for me, if I love my kids and do anything I could for him, and we're not perfect people, think about a perfect father with perfect love. Who will do and can do anything his children ask him to do. Anything. Folks, that's what prayer is. It's not just prayer. It is talking to your father. And telling him what's going on. And watching him work in response to requests that you don't even know what to half ask for for sometimes. Because you don't even know which way is up. And asking God to move and work in His power as only He can. Prayer is not some insignificant, frivolous little thing that we do as a transition piece from song time to preaching time. Or from the end of Bryson's children's sermon to let the kids go in the back. Prayer is addressing God in heaven because He has affection for us as His children. And we pray without giving up. Jesus gives another little silly story, doesn't he, in verses 11 and 12? Your son asks you for some bread. Are you going to give him a stone? Remember what Jesus taught his disciples to pray for? Give us day by day our daily bread. Do you think God sent rocks falling down from heaven to rain on top of the Israelites' head when they're hungry and wandering around the wilderness? He might have wanted to. I don't think that. He's a perfect father, perfect love. They kept complaining because they didn't have food. Did God rain rocks down from the sky and knock them on the head with those rocks? No. He showered them with manna, with daily bread. What kid or what what father among you? His son asked him for a fish. You need to eat something. What father among you is not going to help his son out with some crappie? 
Fried crappie. That's a good fish right there, isn't it? You're going to throw a snake at your kid instead? No father would do that. Just to be clear real quick, by the way, if your son asks you for a fish, don't give him a snake. But if your son asks for a snake, don't give him a snake either. It's bad bad news. Jesus said, "If, if, if you guys have fathers who give things to their children that they need, you're not tricking them, you're not being mean to them, you're not throwing scorpions at them instead of serving them scrambled eggs for breakfast. If you have fathers who love you like that, how much more will your Father in heaven love you and give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Do you see that at the end of verse 13? Your Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. That's really what we're after in prayer, whether you know it or not. We're after the Holy Spirit, God's presence in our very lives. It's really the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives the first time that we pray. Do you know that? The first time that you really prayed to God in faith, and I hope that all of you have, when you told the Lord that you were a sinner and that you needed forgiveness of your sins, And that you believed His Son Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You believed that He rose again. You wanted Him to be Lord of your life. That first time that you prayed, God forgave you. He gave you the gift of eternal life. He took over your life and He sealed you with the Holy Spirit of redemption. The Holy Spirit moved in. And guys, when you continue to pray in your Christian life, here's what happens. That Holy Spirit who already indwells you, who already lives inside of you, is activated so that you walk in the Spirit with each step that you take on a daily basis. Think about that Holy Spirit in terms of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in Heaven. Paul says in Romans that His Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit reminds you who you are and whose you are as a child of God when you pray. Hallowed be your name. Your name be honored as holy. The Holy Spirit helps you understand that you're praying to a holy Father. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The Holy Spirit works in and through your life to build God's kingdom instead of your own empire. On earth as it is in heaven, the Holy Spirit sets your mind in the heavens instead of just here on earth. The Holy Spirit supplies what you need. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. The Holy Spirit reminds you that you are forgiven. The Holy Spirit empowers you to forgive people you otherwise cannot forgive. The Holy Spirit does not lead you into temptation, but He delivers you from the evil one. Your Father in heaven will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask and seek and knock. We need to keep praying because Jesus is our attentive friend and because God is our affectionate Father. God longs for you to pray. He longs for you to have a heart-to-heart talk with Him. So here's my question as I close this morning. Will you keep praying? 
We keep praying. You cannot live the Christian life without praying. Church, you cannot be the church God wants you to be without praying. Maybe you're here this morning. And the problem's not that just you need to keep praying, but that you've never truly prayed before. I love that God's promise to hear the prayers of people is for any and all who would come to Him through faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth. Do you know it's praying, really? It's agreeing with God out loud. To confess with your mouth. It's praying. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth confession is made. Sorry, for with the heart a person believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you know your Christian life really starts with prayer? It starts right there. And if you're here this morning and you have not ever truly prayed and come to faith in Christ, I want to challenge you to do that today. Even during the song of invitation that will be played in just a few moments. If you're here this morning and you're already a Christian, but you need to keep praying. I want to ask you to do that. Maybe you just need to pray where you're seated in your pew. Maybe in a moment when we stand up, you need to stand before God and talk to Him in prayer. Maybe you need to run down here to this altar and hit your knees and talk to God in heaven. Jesus is your friend and He cares about you. You need to pray to Him. God is your Father in heaven and He loves you. You need to pray to Him. I'll be standing down here in the front if, if you need to speak with me or if I can pray with you, for you in any specific way, I'd love to. I'd love to help you come to know Jesus as your friend and come to have God as your Father through prayer if you don't already. You need to talk to me about becoming a member of our church or maybe even answering God's call on your life to ministry or maybe something else. I'd be happy to talk to you about that too. This altar is open for you to pray. We need to keep praying. Will you keep praying? Father God, we come to you now. Lord, we are so thankful that you sent your son Jesus Christ to this earth to die on the cross for our sins to rise again from the grave so that we can have an ongoing relationship with you where we can call upon you in prayer. And God, I pray this morning that you would call all of us to pray and that we would realize what a wonderful privilege it is to have a heart-to-heart talk with you at any time, from any place, about anything. Lord, as you've spoken to your people's hearts this morning, may they respond to you now in faith and obedience. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.